this is what he said. I'm just going to read this Hebrews. I'm not going to say everything he said because he says a lot of stuff. But He said by Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So he preaches a couple of days out of that one verse. <laughs> but what he said is this. By faith, Sarah herself, herself was his focus. Her, you know, Sarah herself. And I began to think about that. Um, I'm not going to try to tell you what he said. This is what God, I feel like God was saying to me, is within ourself. You see, I, have you ever seen a parent who wants to live their life through their child? The parent wasn't a good athlete when they were young, so they get their kid out there and just beat the fire out of them trying to make them a good baseball player or football player. Have you ever seen that? It's, it's a bad thing. It's because they are trying, they are still looking for who they are and they're trying to find another person. You ever seen a person who does that with their spouse? It's their whole world, their whole life revolves around their spouse. Everything their spouse does, that's them. You ever seen that? I mean, that's really not a good thing if that's who you are. I mean, you're somebody, yourself, without them. And what, what he was saying, Sarah herself received strength. Abraham did not receive strength to have that baby. Sarah's the one who got the strength. She's the one who had the baby. And so many times we are looking for something in somebody else or something else that we are striving for in our life. And it's not going to happen. I don't care how good you are at whatever you do. You will never be satisfied. You will never discover who you are. I don't give a rip if you have a, you know, 10 top 100 or 10 records or whatever, or if you write 20 books. Until you come to this place where you are an absolute failure in your life and you have a revelation that God still embraces you in your failure and still loves you. That will absolutely change your life radically. It will change your life radically. Most people, y'all are really looking at me like with blank looks on your face, like, what is he talking about? But I'm telling you, if you can get, I mean, Lord God, please let this be revelation because this is not just head knowledge. This is life changing. What I'm talking to you is life changing. It will radically change your life. If God speaks this to your heart, you'll be a different person. You'll be a completely different person. Because who you are and what you are is not found in what you do, who you're married to, what house you live in, what family you're connected with, what church you're connected with. It's not any of those things. None of those things will do it. And you see, the world is full of people doing that. That's why I said the world needs to hear this message. We've we got to get out of that. God wants to rescue us from that, just like he did that lady, Sheila Walsh. But I'm not saying you've got to go to the insane asylum to get it. You know, I mean, hopefully you don't. Some of you are hard-headed, and that's real hard-headed people have to really take those big hard beatings. There's a couple of them in this room. They've had some whooping. <laughs> you know? <laughs> now, God is never disappointed, and God is never mad, and God never feels like you have let 
never feels that. He never thinks that. Never. I don't care what you did. I don't care if you got up on the roof and had sex in front of the whole world with TV cameras there. God is not mad or disappointed or let down with you. I don't care. That is not God. That is man who's disappointed and mad and let down, but it's not God. I heard a person recently share their testimony. This is what this person said. Now, I just put some, add some. They just said this. My spouse loved me when I absolutely did not deserve to be loved. I absolutely did not deserve to be loved. And my spouse loved me. And I found out more about God from that one thing than 5,000, 10,000 messages on God's love. It's when a person did not deserve to be loved, who did something they should have never done with their spouse, and should have been rejected, should have been pushed off, should have been divorced, and their spouse loved them. They found God's love. They found God's embrace at that moment. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now, can I just take a couple more minutes and shift your perspective just a little bit? Just give me got two more minutes. Turn to 1 Corinthians 4.15. Does anybody feel like God's trying to talk to them? I mean, you might go out here and say, man, that was, a, that was not a good message. Okay? That was not very adequately, you know, spoken or whatever. But I'm telling you, if you can get this, please get it. It will blow your mind. It blows my mind. I can't, I can't put my mind around it. Okay? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 4.15. Everybody knows this. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Okay? For, you, for though you might have 10,000 instruct, instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Here's the interesting thing about that verse. Or about, you know that word instructor? You know what it means? It's terrible what it means. It's terrible. It says a boy leader. That's what it means in the Greek, a boy leader. It comes from a person who took the master's children to school. That's, that's what it was. So here's Paul saying, you got 10,000 boy leaders. That's what you got. You got 10,000 boy leaders, but you ain't got no fathers. Okay. And this is, this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is, this is what happened to Peter. Is he found a father that day. Because remember I told you last time, fathers are the ones who release identity into people's life. Fathers are the ones who give security to people. And that's what Peter found that day in Jesus. He found a father. He found the father because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And for the first time in three years, all of a sudden, Jesus wasn't just a teacher to, to Peter. Jesus was the father to Peter. And the father revealed the father's heart to a man who was in a mess, who needed to hear the father's heart and needed to understand, needed security, needed destiny, needed, you know, 
purpose, needed all those things that we're craving for in our life. Who am I? Why am I here? All those things, that day he got them. And the reason he got them, because the Father was, was revealed to him. Not a boy in structure. And see, it's really the truth in, in, the, in the church. We have all the teaching. And we, we need all the teaching. But gosh, we need, we need this. We need this spirit of a father. We need this spirit of a mother to be released into the church. People need it. People need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. But here's the thing. You don't find it in the church. This is what you find when somebody blows it. They're rejected. That's the truth. Isn't the truth? Isn't that your experience? If you don't live up to some invisible standard, you're rejected. That's not the Bible. And you know why that's so? It's because you have teachers and they don't have any grace for people who fall. But we don't have fathers. We don't have mothers. And God wants to release that to the church. He wants to show the Father's heart to people. And, you know, it's terrible in the church. It's much worse in the world. Because the church rejects the world. We, you know, we keep the world out. Don't bring them into the church because they'll mess, mess us up. I've heard people say that. They're messing us up. That's wrong. It's not the Father's heart. That's religion. That's all that is. It's, it's from hell. There's a struggle for significance and identity in every person, and this produces trouble. The trouble comes because we have a bunch of sons running the show. And remember the last time I told you, Jesus had trouble with them fighting over who was the greatest two times, sitting there at the Last Supper. They're fighting on who, who's the greatest. You know, Peter was like, you know, I walked on the water. Y'all, you know, you guys were, ain't right. Step back in that boat. What's wrong with you? I'm better than you. So the church has just had all that competition and jealousy and strife in it. And that's because of the son thing and not having the father thing. And I believe what God wants to do in the church, and I believe what God wants to do in people's lives, He wants to release the father's heart. He wants to give us the father's heart. He wants to give it to us. He wants to say, I will give you that heart. I will, I will release it to you. So you can express it because the world has to have it. The church has got to have it. You hear me? Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I'm through. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And my, what I want to say to you this morning, I think God is calling the church to put away childish things. I think God is, is calling us to put away trying to find significance in what we do or who we hang around with or through our children or through whatever it is, through your looks. That was one of the things that T.D. brought out about girls, you know, getting their significance by their dress and their look. You know, it was talking to girls. You know, guys, you know, it's a whole different thing. But those are childish things in God's eyes. Your job, your career, all that's childish. You're not going to find your significance in that. You're not going to discover your true identity in that. You're going to discover your true identity when you put those things away and find what Peter found that day. Okay? That's where you're going to find your true significance and your true identity. That's where you're going to find your destiny.
you won't find it anywhere else. You can look the rest of your life and you won't find it. Amen? So, um, Lord, you know, um, we want to ask you to give us that, the Father's heart. And like I told you last time, the Father's heart can be in a woman. It's not a male-female thing. It can be in girls. You don't have to be 80 or 45 or 50. I mean, there is some significance in older guys helping younger guys. I, I believe that, and older ladies helping younger ladies. But um, I just had something real quick. Um, I had something for Kelly. Is she, is she still in here, Kelly? That danced. Um, you don't have to come up, but when she was dancing, I really felt like I got something for you, but I felt like I should maybe just say it personal, but this really ties in. Um, Kelly's known the Lord, what, now about two years? And has come into us, you know, pretty in the world and lots of things she was dealing with. And, and I felt like as you were dancing before the Lord, there was a real um, um, consecration in your heart beginning to happen, a real separating yourself more to the Lord. And, you know, circumcision sort of that kind of thing where it says, I'm now the Lord's. And I felt like as you were dancing, and I just really saw that coming on you, that real separation to him is really happening. But as I was sitting there, I was thinking, you know, I really contribute, Doug and Ann, as a mother and father, they brought you into their home. I really feel like they are an example of that mother and father and going on because they have brought Kelly into their home actually for the last six months or so and and I just feel like that's a good example you know I don't know that that would be happening as quickly with Kelly or what but I do know that that's a good example of what the Lord is doing right now and just encourage you you know to really uh, see that that is really the heart of God you know a lot of people won't make it in the kingdom if we don't have moms and pops to come along. Because I'll tell you, you know, this church really ministers to young people, but we see them falling all the time. I mean, it's not an easy thing. And, you know, and, I, and Catherine, I see Catherine Bichard doing the same thing. She reaches out to these young people, and, her, and she's really been a mother to them. And I'm just telling you, church, we, you know, really, many of them won't make it you know, unless they really do see moms and pops that really give them their identity in the Lord alone and nothing else. But I just wanted to thank Doug and Ann for being willing to do that. And, and now we are seeing the result, Kelly. So, yeah. That was really good. Um, <clears throat> um, this, I know this is late. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> My testimony is this. I wanted to be a great Bible teacher. And I realized one day, I'm not going to be no great Bible teacher. <laughs> it just ain't in there. <laughs> you know? But the Lord offered me this deal where I talked to you about this morning. He offered it to me. He said he could make me that if, if, if I wanted to be that. And I think there's probably some of you in here, y'all might want to have been a great you know, a great auto mechanic or a great whatever. That probably ain't going to happen, great salesman or, you know. But you can be an awesome spiritual mother or father. 
awesome. And you can change people's lives. And when I say God's going to raise up some and set down others, well, he's going to raise up the mothers and fathers in his kingdom. That's the people he's going to raise up. And if you want a promotion from the Lord, you need to get in on that deal. You know? So, I mean, that seems, all this seems so weak to me of what I really feel inside of me. But I want to just do this. Um, and I want to, yeah. That'd be good. Communion? Is that what you're saying? I forgot about that. <laughs> we're going to have communion. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Pam's going to come up and share communion with us. Pam Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, communion is a time to repent of your sins. Here's a sin. Lord, I repent this morning from trying to find my identity in what I do. I just confess that to you, Lord. I repent from it. God, I want to find my identity in you first. And I just ask you, Lord, to do that in my life. And I ask you to do that in this church. That we would be a church that finds its identity in you. Not in what we do. Not in what we do. But first you. And, and, and let me just say this. What you do is important. Who you are is important. You know, what you do with your life, there's, there's pleasure in it. There's, there's satisfaction in it. Okay, I'm not saying those things are not, but I'm saying you've got to get this right first. You know, as a church, missions are really important, but if we get our identity in that, we are going to be crushed. We're going to be crushed. Find our identity in God and who he says we are. Amen. So Pam's going to do communion. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I had this dream <clears throat> last Saturday, and so when he said Pam's going to share communion, I didn't know what he meant. But anyway, in the dream, I was some kind of secret agent, and around my neck, I wore a little pouch containing three harmless-looking pink pills. These were cyanide pills that I was to take if my secrets were compromised. A person in the dream, who I think was my co-worker, suddenly urged me to take one of the pills. I put the pill in my mouth, but before I swallowed it, I decided I didn't want to die, so I quickly spit it out. I waited <clears throat> to see what would happen, afraid that I would soon die, but I didn't. Over the next couple of days, I was just asking the Lord what that meant, and I felt like you told me the three pink pills are forms of bitterness, unforgiveness, unbelief, unrighteousness. And the co-worker was really the devil. He, he urges us to swallow these pills. And if we do, we will die. And if these, if these pills are in our mouths, we need to spit them out. And about the secret things we know, these are the things the Holy Spirit has deposited in us. And the devil really would rather kill us than let these things come out because these are what can bring deliverance and salvation to other, pill, other people. 
if we swallow the pills of bitterness, these things will die. <clears throat> Byron was talking, I also felt like the secret things could also be just secret stuff we've done. We don't want people to know. We'd rather die, you know, like the Sheila Walsh story. We'd rather die than have people know who we really are. Well, we want to ask the Lord. You know, I think that's a, a call from the Lord to, for if you have those things in your life of unforgiveness and bitterness and unbelief. The Lord's asking you to lay them down today. You know, and that's that's what we need to do as we do communion. And and I'm gonna tell you another thing. If you are out with somebody, okay, go to that per if that person's in this room, and, you know, and you're out with them. This is getting real. Let's get real and let's get down and dirty with Christianity. If you're out with somebody, you need to go get it right with them. And, and they may have wronged you. You just may need to go try to work it out. Or you may just need to go humble yourself to them and repent. I don't know. But I'm just saying this is reality. We need to be doing these kind of things. Amen? Now, let's just, we're going to do communion. They're going to do songs while we're doing communion. And then you can just, I know it's late. You can just leave, you know, so... So, Father, we, we bless the communion today. Pray it be significant to people. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah. um, while, while we're going here, let me bring Sergio, Sergio up. Sergey. Sergey is from Romania. Belarus. <laughs> going home. He's been with Nettie and Fred for six weeks. They took him into their home and they fed him and clothed him and took him to the dentist and to the eye doctor and the doctor, Fred. <laughs> That's what they did. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, it is wonderful. That's to me and Fred and Nettie. Yeah. But he's going back home, and he lives in an orphanage. He's an orphan. What was that scripture about pure and undefiled religion? Take care of orphans. Is that something? And I just really want us to bless this little boy. Okay? I just want us to bless him. He can't. He don't know a thing we're saying. He don't know English. But anybody who'd like to just come up here and just... Bless him, you know, kiss him or hug on him. Yeah, he's a little boy, so be careful. How old is he? He's 11 years old. He's had a hard life. Real hard life. Don't have a mama, don't have a daddy, hasn't been taken care of. But God has a heart for this little boy. Amen. He has a heart for this little boy. I just really appreciate Fred and Eddie doing what they did. in front of people, but I just have to say this. Um, before Sergey came over to our house, he doesn't speak any English. We don't speak any Russian. And uh, I kept on asking the Lord, how are we going to be able to witness this child? And um, I felt the peace that God's going to take care of it. Just a few nights ago, Sergey and I were sitting at, at um, on the couch watching TV, and there was a TV show on. And it was one of those typical TV shows, and this guy was um, had a girlfriend, and Sergey looked at me and he said, uh, "That's not good. 
<laughs> Why? He said, that's not good. He said, one girlfriend, two girlfriends, three girlfriends, not good. He said, one girlfriend, good. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him and smiled, and he turned around and looked at me and he said, Jesus don't like that. <laughs> I realized he's <laughs> He got it. He really got it without me saying a word in Russian. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. And I, I see the Lord has come to Sergei Amen. and didn't leave him as an orphan. He really provided some parents for him. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, let's reach our hands towards Sergei. We bless him in the name of Jesus. And God, you have, you're rescuing him. You're rescuing him. And we ask you that that rescue would continue and be successful, and you would heal him of cerebral palsy, Lord. We ask you that in the name of the Lord Jesus who died for him. And we thank you for Sergei today. Hallelujah. And thank you for ready men sacrifice of love, being a parent to an orphan. Because, Lord, that's really you being a parent to him. What an example. Hallelujah. <laughs> so if anybody wants to just greet Sergei, that would be a tremendous thing to do. So let's do communion now. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became